Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupada Sri Dvaiti Gadadha Shivasudhi Gaurabhaktavrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya 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 So reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Kanto 1, Chapter 1, Text 13. Tan naha sasushamananam ahasi Anganu Varanitam Jashayavataro Jashayavataro Bhutanam Jemaya Cha Bhavaya Cha Tanasushamananam Arhasya Anganu Varanitam Tashavataro Bhutanam Chemaya Chabavayacha Tanasushushamananam Ahasyangana Varnitam Tashavataro Bhutanam Chemaya Chabavayacha Tanna Sushushamananam Asya Angana Varnitam Jashavataro Bhutanam Chemaya Chabavayacha Tat That's a word for it. Tat Those Naha Unto us Sushushamananam, those who are endeavouring for, Adhasi, ought to do. Anyway, Anga, O Sudha Goswami, Anavaranitam, to explain by following in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. Jasya, whose avataraha, incarnation, Bhutanam, of the living beings, Chemaya, for good, Cha, and Bhavaya, upliftment, Cha, and Translation, O Sutta Goswami, we are eager to learn about the personality of Godhead and his incarnations. Please explain to us those teachings imparted by previous masters, acharyas, for one is uplifted both by speaking them and by hearing them. Translation, O Sutta Goswami, we are eager to learn about the personality of Godhead and his incarnations. Please explain to us those teachings imparted by previous masters, acharyas, 
for one is uplifted both by speaking them and by hearing them. Purport. The conditions for hearing the transcendental message of the Absolute Truth are set forth herein. The first condition is that the audience must be very sincere and eager to hear, and the speaker must be in the line of disciplic succession from the recognized Acharya. The transcendental message of the Absolute is not understandable by those who are materially absorbed. Under the direction of a bona fide spiritual master, one must gradually, one must become gradually purified. One becomes gradually purified. Therefore, one must be in the chain of disciplic succession and learn the spiritual art of submissive hearing. In the case of Sutta Goswami and the sages of Namasharanya, all these conditions are fulfilled because Srila Sutta Goswami is in the line of Srila Vyasadeva and the sages of Namasharanya are all sincere souls who are anxious to learn the truth. Thus, the transcendental topics of Lord Sri Krishna's superhuman activities, his incarnation, his birth, appearance or disappearance, his forms, his names and so on are all easily understandable because all requirements are fulfilled. Such discourses help all men on the path of spiritual realization. <clears throat> so, in the case of Sutta Goswami, I said here that he actually is coming in the line of Srila Vyasadeva. Srila Vyasadeva being, of course, um, not just a teacher or acting in the capacity of a spiritual instructor, but he is himself the incarnation of Godhead, being a Shaktivesavatar of the Supreme Lord. He's empowered in order to compile the Vedic literature, so he's not ordinary human being, he's superhuman personality. So, therefore, his position is is uh, is uh, relatively exalted, even though amongst all the exalted personalities. So, uh, there are many, many such great authorities in the line, what's called the Siblic Succession or Sampradaya. Uh, Sampradaya literally means from uh, the lineage coming down from above. Um, this is called Parampara. Parampara means from above to below. Parampara. Parampara. So the knowledge is coming down. This is how knowledge is received. Very significant. Knowledge is received. It's a, it's a very significant idea or notion that knowledge is received. Right. <clears throat> knowledge is not self-manifesting. Even if it appears to manifest within the self, sometimes we have this sort of revelation, what's called revelation. That's understood to be um, the actions of super-soul within the heart. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, that um, Riddheshaya Janatishtati, uh, that I'm seated within everyone's heart, said Jantravadani Mayaya. That's another verse. I'm seated in everyone's heart and um, I destroy the darkness of ignorance with a shining light of transcendent knowledge. What's that verse? Yeah, Ahamagyana Jamtamaha. Ahamagyana Jamtamaha. Agyana, of course, Gyan means knowledge. Agyana means essentially ignorance. Jamtamaha. Tamaha means, uh, again, ignorance. That Tesha Mavana Kampartam, Ahamagyana. 
Nashayama Babavishto. Nashayami Atma Babishto. Babishto means defulgence. Nashayami. Agyana Deepena. Deepa. Deepa means like flame or lamp. Deepa. Jnana Deepa means the light of knowledge. Jnana Deepena Bhashvata. I manifest within the hearts the shining lamp of transcendental knowledge by which darkness or ignorance is destroyed. So sometimes it feels like we get some inspiration or some idea, but um, that also is being supplied. It's not that somehow or another we are autonomous, we are self-sufficient. But as Krishna again explains in the 15th chapter that I'm seated within everyone's heart. If in me comes knowledge, remembrance, and even forgetfulness. In fact, the difference between awareness and forgetfulness is Krishna either withdrawing understanding or giving understanding. And, of course, that action is in response to his perception of our intention, our fundamental desire. If you see that our desire is to forget him, he withdraws knowledge. In consequence, our heart is filled or our consciousness is filled with ignorance or illusion. Uh, that illusion, first of all, is established on the basis of a false identification with our external material circumstance. This gives rise to all kinds of enthusiasms for engaging with the material energy, uh, with the, our environment, the external circumstance of our environment, for the sake of pursuing an agenda um, of personal enjoyment. Because, of course, implicitly, implicitly we're motivated by the aspiration for pleasure or the desire to experience pleasure or happiness. Anandamoya Vyashat, because that's the nature of the Supreme. Om Anandamoya Vyashat, the nature of the Supreme is pleasure-seeking. So we are innately pleasure-seeking. Um, and, and therefore we <clears throat> seek pleasure within our environment, within the opportunities or possibilities within our environment. So the, um, the difference between understanding and lack of understanding is that we evaluate our environment differently. Uh, when we lack understanding, we evaluate the environment as being in uh, somehow innately belonging to us and imbued with the potential to give us pleasure, which we pursue by engaging the senses with their objects. So that seems to be a natural and obvious conclusion. But when we're in ignorance, but when we become enlightened, the difference is we see everything in relationship to the Supreme. And the consequence of that is we see that actually Krishna is the, the proprietor and the actual natural proper enjoyer, not just even of the of his energy, but even of we ourselves being also energy of the Supreme. So therefore the conclusion comes we should actually act in order to give Krishna pleasure. So the different sort of conclusion depending upon the perception. <clears throat> in uh, in the Bhagavatam, one of the four C shlokas that Lord Brahma meditated upon, these, these verses were given by Krishna to Lord Brahma in his maturity of realization, in order to advance his further understanding. It says, Ritayartam yapratiyata napratiyata chatmani that tadvijada manomayam yadhava shoyatotamaha that which appears to have value without reference to me, that which appears to be real without reference to me, you should know has no value. Uh, understand it to be merely a, a reflection within ignorance. In other words, when we perceive the material world in ignorance, the reflection that we're looking at, because we do not see its connection with the Supreme, 
does not constitute reality, but it constitutes illusion. An illusion has no value. So the same thing perceived differently in connection with the Supreme actually takes on a reality and has actual value. So the difference is our ability to uh, perceive the relationship of things with the Supreme, but that awareness and understanding comes from Krishna. Krishna says, I give that understanding by which you can come to me. <clears throat> well, the conclusion of that understanding is one comes to Krishna. Anyway, he says that, that um, I give the understanding uh, acting from within the heart as a super soul. So he gives understanding or withdraws understanding in response to his perception of our attitude or our intention. Anyway, the point is that even if we do get some sort of internal revelation, that's not something that's happening autonomously. It's also by the, the grace or the arrangement of the Supreme. Externally, of course, the Lord appears and manifests uh, himself, this kind of understanding, through the agency of the, the sibling succession or the Sampradaya, as well as the Shastra that accompanies the Sampradaya for bringing enlightenment and understanding externally. Uh, the Bhagavatam is nothing but super soul in a sense manifest externally uh, so that we can actually engage with our conscious understanding um, the, the, uh, with the process of advancement of, un advancement of knowledge. So, uh, not that hypothetically it could not be possible to become completely self-realized by uh, internal means, but of course we have to be practical and take whatever assistance uh, is available or that's made available by the arrangement of the Supreme. Um, people do have this sentiment that they, they feel they would like to um, achieve liberation or achieve advancement of understanding, achieve spiritual um, awareness by their own individual efforts, um, partly due to mistrust, partly due to egotism. People think that this is a, a valid kind of approach, but um, this this can be very, very uh, troublesome because our supposed revelations uh, can be innately deceptive, especially in the beginning when one has no actual uh, experience or training. Very, very difficult to perceive the difference between what's a genuine understanding coming by revelation and what's simply the um, prejudicial tendencies of our own subjective consciousness. So, therefore, the internal process, especially in a neophyte condition, is not to be trusted. Rather, one should take a, advantage of the arrangements made by the Supreme, the standard arrangements by which the living entity become progressed and liberated from material existence. So that arrangement fundamentally comes in two forms, <laughs> the Shastric tradition and the disciplic succession. So the purpose of the charges is not just to explain the Shastra, but to de demonstrate their meaning by personal example of activity. That's what actually is meant by Acharya. <clears throat> Arya means behavior. Um, so, the uh, rather, Acha means behavior, Arya means first class, or, for example, this word Aryan, Aryan, it comes from Arya, which means topmost. That's why Hitler had the idea that the Germans were the topmost. So he called them the Aryan, New Aryans. But this Arya comes from the Vedic culture, means first class, highest. So Acha means 
behavior. Pracha means preaching. Pracha means speaking or explaining. Acha means behavior, demonstration by uh, activity. So acharya means one who's demonstrating the highest class of activity based upon the highest realization of spiritual understanding. So acharyas not just engage in communicating and teaching, but they actually demonstrate by example the conclusion of the teaching. So anybody, anybody of course, can teach. That is guru. Guru just means teaching. <coughs> guru comes from revealing... Um, comes from revealing knowledge. Guhya, gu comes from that which is hidden or dark, mysterious, not easy to be able to understand. So the guru teaches, the teacher, he reveals what is previously not understood. So, of course, the process of teaching naturally goes on on many, many different levels, but that can be in the realm of simply concept or theory. Um presenting the ideas, presenting the, the philosophical thoughts, but uh, not necessarily that the guru would be first class in terms of their own realization and consequently their own behavior. Um, that ideally, of course, should be the case. Therefore, we should uh, all be, a, uh, we should aspire to be a charger. Like um, at an ordinary school, for example, you go to learn topics and subjects, but oftentimes the the behavior, the realization of the teachers is not really, um, uh, they're not exactly living examples of their realization or understanding. They're just teaching hypothetically. And the um, that's not unusual or necessarily a terrible thing because many, many, uh, in, inevitably in our progress, our ability to conceive of things tends to, far um, uh, tends to advance beyond our ability to act or behave. That's kind of inevitable. That's why we have an aspirational capacity because there's always higher, greater, something more we can comprehend and understand than we are currently able to integrate. So therefore, there's always capacity to advance further according to that understanding. So when our understanding becomes integrated in the through uh, experiential activity, then of course we can progress and further understanding comes and then further inspiration and then further action on that inspiration and therefore further realization, further progression. So our understanding always actually is greater than necessarily our ability to uh, to act <clears throat> in a way that truly reflects that understanding. So the fact that we are teaching beyond our capacity to actually act or behave is not necessarily unusual or a terrible thing. So we have to give the best of our understanding. At the same time, obviously, we have to try to uh, represent that understanding in our own actions, in our own behavior, in our own character. So in any case, that's what a charger means someone who is able, able to do that. So the acharyas are exalted personalities. And amongst all of the acharyas, you have some that are more, more advanced or more illuminated or more exalted than others. So amongst them, we have the famous personalities like um, 
Lord Brahma, Narada Muni, Shiva Vyasadeva, and then in the modern era, Madhvacharaja, who, of course, he was a direct disciple of Vyasadeva, and then down in the last 1,000 years to um, the modern age, we have the, the chain of Dasidic succession. So this... Um, this uh, point has been mentioned here that Sudha Goswami is fully qualified to explain that which is of the ultimate and highest benefit for the people because of having understood nicely through hearing and also practice personal experience <clears throat> the topics of the transcendental supreme personality of Godhead. And uh, in this particular case, he is also representing directly Srila Vyasadeva, so far as the recitation of Srimad Bhagavatam is concerned. Srimad Bhagavatam, of course, has been compiled. Uh, it's the final literary contribution of Srila Vyasadeva. It is his own commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. And... Sudha Goswami was the recipient of the Srimad Bhagavatam because he first heard the Bhagavatam spoken by the son of Vyasadeva, who was Sukadeva Goswami. So the first actual speaker of the Bhagavatam was Sukadeva Goswami, who explains that I studied the Srimad Bhagavatam in effect under the tutelage of my own father, Srila Vyasadeva, who actually was the compiler of the Bhagavatam. And therefore... It was first spoken at the um, in the situation of Maharaj Parikit preparing to depart his body on the bank of the Ganges at Hastinapur. And at the great gathering of different sages, personalities, at that particular time, Sukadev Goswami was uh, given the considered the most exalted, and he was requested to speak on the um, on that subject matter, which at the particular point of departure, particular point of dying, we should most, uh, um, we should take shelter of. <clears throat> and at that particular point, therefore, Sukadeva Goswami, he first spoke Srimad Bhagavatam and Sudha Goswami was there uh, in the audience and he heard the Bhagavatam. So then a little while later, he again is now speaking the Bhagavatam in the assembly of the sages of Namasharanya. So the interesting thing here is that when it says Sudha Goswami is speaking in the civic succession, this succession is one of <clears throat> of uh, oral reception. It's not a, it is not a, a seminal lineage and it is not necessarily a lineage of initiates. In other words, of uh, a succession of, based upon the principle of, a, of initiation, which is uh, also a common aspect of 
the idea of disciplic succession, but Siddha Goswami was not a direct disciple of Sukadeva Goswami, not necessarily having been initiated by him, but he's a direct recipient of the knowledge and understanding communicated by Sukadeva Goswami now is repeating that. So disciplic succession or sampradaya means oral reception being transmitted, that which one has received through oral reception and has actually uh, integrated by realization, by experience and understanding, then that is communicated. So the critical thing in being situated in sampradaya is to have heard nicely from the previous authorities and to act on that understanding. So this word is used here, that it explains that verse is translated as those who are endeavoring for, but invariably it's described as taking shelter of and acting very nicely within the system of understanding. Uh, it means being acting according to the behavior of a learned and gentle disciple. In other words, having the appropriate attitude of enthusiasm and respect and uh, submission to the authorities and endeavoring very, very nicely to understand according to the instructions that they're given. So in this way, Sutta Goswami is qualified and the sages are therefore uh, requesting him to speak on those teachings that have been imparted to you by the previous acharyas. For as, as, as um, Sunakarishi is speaking, he's saying, for one is uplifted both by speaking them and by hearing them. So these topics are transcendentally enlivening, uh, both just by hearing, but also of course, by speaking them. The ultimate um, example of qualification in terms of speaker and hearer is Sukadeva Goswami is the speaker of the Bhagavatam and Maharaj Brigid is the hearer of the Bhagavatam. And of course, the relationship was so intense, the enlivenment was so intense in terms of hearing and speaking that for seven days and nights, no, no, no one slept, but everyone stayed up and continued recitation took place um, because they were so transcendentally enraptured, they forgot all about their bodily concerns. So, Matsita Magadapana, Bodhanta Chaparashpara, Katantistamam Nicham, Tushandichara Manticha. Because my devotees always take great pleasure in enlightening one another and conversing about me, uh, they can, can go on with this process continuously. Katantistamam Nicham. Nicham means to go on. Kata means hearing, chanting. Katantistamam Nicham, Tushandichara Manticha. And they're getting ever greater taste and pleasure. Um, from this experience of hearing. So it's not, of course, for us it's difficult, different because we we find it burdensome and mm, perhaps even boring um, because, and sometimes we're not so enthusiastic to hear and chant um, because generally speaking, neither the hearer nor the speaker is particularly qualified. Um, the hearer is not necessarily well-versed and uh, able to, to speak in an engaging way. Uh, he may not be highly qualified like Sudha Goswami or Sukadeva Goswami may be. They're not a charges necessarily. And we ourselves, in terms of our hearing capacity, uh, we are not particularly 
sincere or serious or intelligent to be able to appreciate what is being explained. Um, if we're qualified as a hearer, even if the speaker's not particularly qualified, there's no uh, limits to what we can appreciate and understand through that hearing process. There's no lack to our own enlivenment. If we're qualified as a hearer, hmm, whoever's speaking, we can become, uh, we can understand so many, have not, so many nice realizations and you're very satisfied and enlivened to hear. Um, but naturally, there's a reciprocation between speaker and hearer. And if both are enthusiastic, both are intelligent, both are qualified, then things become very, very enlivening. And this uh, creates a, a continual process of, uh, of uh, stimulation in, in, uh, in an ever-fresh experience of ongoing realization and understanding and, and relishment. So therefore, the process can go on very, very nicely. Otherwise, of course, you know, we generally find after 30, 40 minutes or an hour, things become a little jaded and we become tired and restless and um, want to go and do something else. So these are some of the points coming out of this particular verse anyway. Sudha Deva Goswami's qualification, having heard from the Acharyas and he's communicating those same teachings and uh, the qualification of both speaker and hearer in respect of, the, of this process of oral submission or oral transition rather. All right, we'll finish there. Shri Prabhupada ki jai, Shri Bhagavatam ki jai.